skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust. Like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia, as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast. Or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low-pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void with victims in person. Gentlemen, cheers. 
Cheers. Got to do it the right way. Cheers. Yep. yep. Cheers, man. There you go. Cheers. Cheers Can't have uh, skydivers in the studio and not have at least one glass of wine. Mm, for sure. So, who the fuck are you guys and what do you do? All right. So, I'm Danny Roman, uh, um, yes, skydiver from Spain. Yeah. Yes, you are. And a professional athlete. So, I pretty much dedicate to the sport my full life. Nice. And, uh, and yes. yeah, I'm, I'm Sebastian Alvarez. I'm a... Chilean skydiver and uh, yeah, with Danny, we are teammates from Red Bull, and we also have a our own team. How cool is that? Skydiving is from the whole fucking planet, man. I mean, everywhere. You're, I mean, actually, I'm gonna jump way back because I want to hear how you guys got started in a team. But how'd you guys get started in extreme sports? Because when I think extreme sports, especially in Spain and stuff like that, I think surfing or or all this. I, I don't necessarily think skydiving. So how did you guys end up aimed in that direction? Did it start with jumping? Man, for me, it started since I was a kid. Like yeah. everything started with like. When I was really small, like really like seven years old, six years old, mm. I always, I always would say that like I wanted to be a skydiver. Really? Yeah, like I wanted to be a skydiver when I grow up. Do you know what sparked it? I mean, did you I see mean, a movie or something? I was obsessed with everything that fl- the fly, you know, like a like a plane, paragliding, uh, skydiving. So yeah. I was obsessed with it, and uh, so it came from that since since I was a kid, no. And then uh, with eighteen, I started skydiving. Really. Yeah, so we, it was just that you just fucking knew you wanted to go jump out of airplanes. Yeah, since I was a kid, I have videos. Really funny. I have videos uh, with seven year old like saying that I wanted to be that. So really, really so it came through. So and you started when you were eighteen. Yeah, I started with eighteen, which blows me away because you still look like you're eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> which and fuck you for that. Yeah. It's just not even cool. You have not aged since I met you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sebastian, how about you? How'd you get started in anything extreme, really? Yeah, I guess uh, same. Everything started since I was a kid, really young. Um, I wanted to, I was always doing sports, that's the truth, always mm. doing a lot of sports in the school, and I guess my first, maybe my first extreme sport was rugby in the school. Yeah, that's pretty extreme. Yeah, I, I, I guess they, they hit hard, and it's, <laughs> I, li- I still like rugby, because it's a really teamwork game, and I yeah. watch it, but then the the first one that I really practiced as a, I would say like full on, was surfing. Okay, there you go. Yes. So surfing was the the first thing that that I really like uh, start practicing full time and and man I start feeling the the rush of of an experience extreme sport. I've met, I've talked to a lot of different surfers that it seems to be a great segue into a sport like skydiving because you have to learn to deal with some pretty intense fear. Uh with surfing is super fucking intense. I mean, you catch yourself on the front side of a big wave, and it's like, you know, having to learn how to skydive. You're at the beginning of a bit of a ride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, it's like, um, how can I say it in English? But it's like a world that we really don't dominate as good, <laughs> exactly as the the sky. Right. You know, we're not made to fly. We're not made to swim. We're right. just made to walk or similar, you know. So so it's pretty similar sensation when you are on, on, on a big wave, than when you're jumping from a plane or base jumping or things like that, that you need to conquer that fear pretty much. Sure, sure. That seems to be uh, the biggest theme, at least in the beginning. Now, for both of you guys, since you knew you wanted to get into jumping, was was the fear factor something that you were ready to deal with? Was it scary to you or was it just, uh, oh, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be? I feel like everyone have that feeling, you know, like the first jam, obviously, when we opened the door. Of course, was definitely scary. It was like, man, what right. the fuck I'm doing here, you know? 
but definitely like it was it was worth it no right and since the first jam i knew that i wanted to dedicate to that no nice so actually after the first week of jumping i was like man i want a job in the drop zone i just want to be here <laughs> uh, no. nice and then after the first week i started work at the drop zone you know so i started working uh scattered video okay and that's where everything started no so, now what were you doing I started in the office and in the manifest. Okay. Yeah. So the I started hardest job working on the job zone. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I was so lucky. Like that was amazing. I was. I'm really grateful for that. Like, uh, like I started in the manifest and that drop zone at the moment. They have like uh, two slots for the staff. You know, mm. two slots that they, if the plane was empty, or it was two slots available, like you could get on the load. You know, and I remember the first year I did like 700 fun jumps. Really? You know, so I was like really, really lucky for that though. Oh my God. Now, yeah. what did your family think when you got started? Well, in the beginning, it's like they don't see it as a job, no? Sure. It's like, well, this is, it's nice. You, you're having fun, but what, what are you going to do in five years? You know, what, <laughs> what, yeah, jumping out of a plane, but what, what right. is this, you know? It's mm. not in an office, you know? You know, really, this is not really a work, no? Right. But then they saw that it's, it's really, you can make a living from it. And sure. I was happy that it's the most imp important. So, they always support me with that, you know? like they saw me happy and they was always happy that, that I was making my dream true, no? For sure. Do you think yeah. that the perception of skydiving as a potential uh, career has changed since you started? Um, I think the vision of the outside people is hard, like outside of this world is really hard to see it as a job. Sure. No, like man, your job is a skydiving, <laughs> what yeah. do you mean, you know? But now it's a thing starting to change, no? Like people see it a bit more that they can be instructors or they can be a camera. Like I, sure. I think it's changing a bit. Well, and we'll we'll talk about this a bit more, but I think it's especially due to uh, a lot of the things that uh, you guys are involved in that start to that started to bring skydiving into the mainstream view. Um, and granted, you guys are doing shit that's a little bit more over the top than going out and doing a tandem, but it still kind of puts that thought into people's minds and, and uh, um, uh, puts it out there as a possibility, I think. Yeah. Now, how about you? How'd you get started? I got started in the Air Force. I was in the, okay. in the Chilean Air Force, and my first jump was 17, 18, but was with the round parachutes <laughs> and pretty low altitude because <laughs> it's just static line. And, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, that's how it started. Pretty much it was a course before the flying plane. So, so I like it a lot, actually. And mm. I did just eight jumps because that's when the course finished. And then I asked, hey, I want to do more. And they were like, there's no way you're going to do more because we need to take care of you pretty much. You, you cannot get injury. Right. So by the time I keep studying and then I, I, I keep jumping sky, sports skydiving, like normal skydiving in, in few drop zones in Chile. But definitely was uh, the rush of being on a plane and then all the technical things, you know, that like learned how to jump and the reserve pack jobs and everything. It was like, this is technical and it's fun and it's, I need to focus and I need, sure. and I need to have fun, you know? Sure. So I was like, this is for me for sure. As soon as I try. Nice. That was always, that was the biggest catch for me is that it was something that scared the hell out of me, but I would uh, have a blast doing it. And I had a tough time wrapping my head around how I could have so much fun doing something that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Uh, and it just, it's addictive, right? It is. At the end of the day, you're like, I did this and that and the other thing. And I was so scared and it almost becomes funny how scared you were. And then the next damn day, you're just as scared and yeah. you're going to do it again. And it just, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Now what, uh, what was your first job in the sport? 
Packing. Packing. Yeah. All right. That's 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 the the yeah. normal way. Usually manifest is. I, yeah. I don't know too many manifest. That's a stressful because one because yeah. I have no idea how to pack. Like I just started this, so I have no idea how to pack. Oh. Well, half the packers that used to work for the drop zones I've been to had no idea yeah, yeah. back when they started. Yeah. Well, now, um, so you both started out in the drop zones and, and started working that way, and you got into Manifest and Fun yeah. Jumped a lot. Did you ever do the instructor thing, did, or did you just go straight into, I'm going to start aiming towards teams and competing? And doing no, 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 stuff? no. I started as a Manifest, but that lasts for like six months or something like that, mm-hmm. and then I started as a camera. Okay. So I started as a camera, then I did the IFF, then I did the tandem, and I worked at that drop zone doing instructor, camera, and tandem uh, for like a year and a half, okay. like two years. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Did you enjoy it? The best. It was really nice for yeah. sure. Because you sure. never know. Some people, are they absolutely love the instructor side, and others, it's just a means to an end. No, I, I really enjoy it. I yeah. really like it. And I still love it to do some tandems now and then, to do some IFF. I, I love it. I really nice. like it. Nice. How about you? Did if did I enjoy it? Yeah, the, you did the instructor stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, backing and then camera for tandems, then tandems, and then AFF, and it kind of like follow the same line as everybody does. Yeah, yeah. That seems to be the standard, it's, right? Yeah, like Danny took the stressful one. I'm wondering if you, you enjoy being being a manifest. manifest man. Yeah. That was a stressful. Full out. respect for man. manifest people. Yeah, full respect for right. the first. It's a hard job, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd yeah. like to be able to say that uh, at this point, there's probably not too many jobs on the drop zone I can't do, but there's one. There's no oh, fucking way I can do it. Yeah. That's no way. <laughs> yeah. There's no way. You Up in the cockpit where I can cuss and scream all to myself and nobody hears me is fine, but in manifest? <laughs> pff, no no way. way. Yeah. So how'd you guys get, I mean, you guys have obviously gone a direction that most don't get to go, both doing the, the Red Bull stuff, mm-hmm. which is huge, and you have your own team as well. How did you get in that direction? How did you decide you wanted these different disciplines that you're now doing so over the top? How, how did it all get started? Well, I think it comes from, uh, well, I started to work you now after two years of um Two years of working in Legio. Um, cool. That's a pretty funny story, but uh, please. So, well, Basile was working in Legio, and um, all the instructors for Legio they did a scuba diving trip to Maldives. Okay. And yeah. on the way back, they stop. They have a stopover, so they basically did some skydives here, blah blah blah, and they got every everyone got offered a job. So Basile they came back to Legio, like man, this trip was awesome. See you later. We are leaving. And we're like, man, don't guys, don't fucking leave me alone here. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, man, we go to this place. We're going to be sick. It's going to be nice. You know, we jump in a lot. And we're like, man, I want to go too. <laughs> What's going on? Take me with you. And we're like, nah, man, like 20 years old. Right. Don't speak any English. No one word of English. Like not many jams, you know. So I started right. to work in the drop zone, you know, Google Translator. Right to, right to, to the palm. Sorry, man, you're 20 years old, not many jumps, and you don't talk one word of English. But, man, I can try. No, 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 sorry. The desert is exactly the same. <laughs> Nothing. And then I rode the tunnel. I just wanted to come here, you know, like right. to, to, to get the chance to fly, to jump or whatever, no? And then uh, I rode the tunnel. Okay. And the tunnel was like the same thing, you know, like, man, like, you're 20 years old, you don't speak any English, what are you going to do here? Right. Like, we're sorry, you know? Right. And then I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go there to try to, to have an interview with you guys. And nice. they didn't reply. And then I did it. No, I quit my job. And then two days before I have the flight, um, the manager, Freddie from the tunnel, he wrote me like, man, if, if it's true that you quit your job and you come in here, you have an interview with me tomorrow. No shit. Yeah. And I was like, man, 
amazing. So I remember I landed. Pablo picked me up. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, I have an interview tomorrow. Amazing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but you have no idea how to talk English. And you don't, you cannot even say, how are you? You know, when he asks you what you want to say, you know, like, so I remember that night was really funny. We just, we just went for some drinks and then, uh, Basil, he was trying to teach me a bit of English, you know? <laughs> the night before so, you The interview. night before. So it's like super funny, no? And the next day we went to the, to the meeting. And then, man, we sit down in the meeting, Pablo as a translator. <laughs> and then this Scottish guy, Freddie, super nice, you know, like was talking and I have no idea, not a single clue of what he was saying. No idea. I just look at him and I say okay to everything. It's like, man, like, I agree with you. Whatever it is, I agree with you. <laughs> yes, I just yes. want to fly and stay here, man. So whatever you tell, I'm, I'm happy with it. All right. So it was really funny, no? So like, um, basically saying, okay, like, did some fitness tests, did like some pull-ups or whatever, did some tests on the tunnel. And then with some help, help with Pablo for sure with the translation, I got the, the job, no? Like, uh, the course, the instructor course, no? Of course, no? <laughs> So that was super funny. And then everything started, no? So I think that was a really good move. That was really lucky because for me, it was like the university. Sure. Only a 20-year-old no. would have the stones to quit his job and ha fly halfway around the world to interview for a job in a language he couldn't speak. But what's speak. the age to do it, you know? It was nothing to lose, huh? Yeah. So, so no, that's fucking nice epic. Answer. And I mean, yeah, I yeah. hate to say it, but that's like perfect for the sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was super funny, man. Like, fuck, Dubai was like the first, man, the first year... Like, no idea of English. Like, man, pretty much, like, you're sitting on a table with someone eating, you know, like, four or five people, like, everyone from the tunnel. And you're like a cow looking at a train, you know? You're like, <laughs> no idea what's going on, no? But that's how everything started, no? So Dubai was, like, the university. Like, we got to fly that's so cool. much. Well, we got to jump a lot. I suppose being in a wind tunnel, uh, you don't have to speak a lot of English. You just have to know the hand signals. Man, exactly. So, like, <laughs> what I will do in the course, that was really funny because in the course, what I will do is, like, we were four instructors. Oh, five, four people doing the course. And basically, Freddie will uh, explain the move, no? Like, explain how to do it and this and that, you know? Like, I have no idea what he was saying, you know? <laughs> I was just hoping that someone went before me so I could see what they do, you know? So, uh, but yeah, it was funny. Yeah. That's epic. Well, yeah. and what a great way to, I mean, you're right. What a great way to learn. Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, if you can beat that story, uh, the next yeah. drink's on me. Well, <laughs> well, what was the question? <laughs> Just how you got started in heading towards, uh, away from the instructor stuff yeah. and, and really trying to go balls out towards all the other stuff that you wanted to pursue in the sport. Right, right. Yeah, well, I moved from, well, I quit the Air Force. That was the main, the main thing that I, that was, I guess, my turn point of sure. life. So... I had this job in the Air Force, which was really good. I was flying planes and helicopters and making money every month. I had my salary, uh, free uh, health and food and everything. And they treat they treat us really good once you're a pilot. But but then at one point I I did that exercise of like looking towards the like big boss. I don't know, colonels or lieutenants or whatever. And I was like, oh. Am I able to to keep going like this and, right. and be like these guys in 20 more years? And, I, and the answers was right away no. So <laughs> every answer was like no, no. I don't I don't see myself being like that. Even though I wanted to fly planes and keep going, but so I just decided to quit. And and then I 
put everything that I had on skydiving. So the the first thing that I did was go to California. Mm. I heard about this drop zone. I'm sure everybody has heard Lodi, <laughs> <laughs> which was really convenient for me because it was $13 a jump, yeah, yeah. $5 a hop and pop. And yeah. I was like, all right, I'm there. When were you in Lodi? What I, years? I was that 2011. 2011. Okay, so I just missed you because I, I flew for Bill on a contract basis for a very short period of oh, time. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, and then I stayed there on the side, uh, hangar, tent, um, jumping. And by that time was like the boom of wing shooting in California, I believe. And there was a lot of, re well, the best in the world, I would say, or some of the best uh, in California jumping. So, sure. so I get to meet one of my good friends, uh, that, wa that was Johnny Flores. Yeah. And he, and he kind of grabbed me and told me, like, how to fly, what to do. He pretty much coached me for two years. And and he, I just learned everything from him, like wingsuiting and skydiving. Yeah. And then I on the on the side, I just make, like, the, the other courses. I make money on the on the um, tandems and camera and everything. But every month, every dollar that i got i put it on on skydiving to train awesome and huh. then yeah trips start travels and everything. for sure yeah. fucking johnny man what yeah. an amazing what guy yeah. i i met him and uh katie uh yeah. hansen katie oh hansen, yeah. fuck it well now katie hansen lodge ness um but uh yeah i met them when i was flying out there and they were just really getting big into wingsuiting yeah. this would have been maybe 2000 and nine yeah, yeah um and they're just such fucking great people yeah uh he he was just such an awesome guy talk about a big heart yeah yeah exactly well that's what he did with me i mean like i'm i'm really grateful about what he did because he i couldn't pay for anything but just for friendship you know and he was like dude i'm gonna help you and i remember he told me like you, you i mean like you can tell when i i still can see like on young guys when they are hungry to get better, you know, like Danny's story, you know, even though he don't know how to speak in English, he's willing to go to Dubai. Sure. You know? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, if you show that you're willing and you've yeah. got that hunger, man, yeah. that goes a long way. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's powerful. Yeah. So I guess that's what Johnny told me. And he says, like, dude, let me help you and we're going to start flying together. And that's, that's how awesome. everything started. Yeah. Uh, did you, were you drawn towards the wingsuits being a pilot? What was that? Sorry. Were you drawn to flying wingsuits because you were a pilot? Yeah. So I I feel like uh, everything like makes sense to me. Sure. Uh, at the beginning, I, it was all wingsuit. I just wanted to fly wingsuit, and then I like, of course, learned everything more about skydiving and everything. But but I feel like wingsuit is has a lot of it has everything of aviation, aerodynamics, and everything. And so yeah. So pretty much the the theory I didn't needed to understand it you sure know, I just needed to understand the athlete part you know the athlete sure part. well and I, I mean there's not a pilot listening or out there that doesn't have that dream of yeah. being the surfaces that they're using to fly i exactly. mean you spend enough time flying a plane and you are that plane but exactly. to actually be the the fuselage and the exactly. wings and the tail that's fucking epic yeah right danny what draw you, what do you do wingsuits man i think for me the <laughs> The the focus in skydiving has been shifting a lot. Mm. So basically, when I came, I was so into free fly. Like uh, we were free flying a lot. We got to do the um, the skydiving thing, like yeah, yeah. four way dynamic thing. So yeah, we yeah. were like fully on with that. And then basically, when I left, like I wanted to to apply those techniques that I that we learned to the flying to wind to flying. No, mm. so. 
So I got a bit more into that. So basically, the last three years I've been I've been focusing on that. Now, like I've been really, really motivated with it. Sure. Well, the the difference, just in in having seen it from the outside, because wingsuiting is not something that I've ever done. Um, seeing it uh, as a spectator, very much so, but watching the transition from it's getting out of the airplane and flying. Yep. And then it was getting out of the airplane and carving around a, a cloud. Yep. And then it turned into the the base jumping in terrain stuff. And now it's more technical than the most intense free-flying routines that used to ever be out there. I mean, you're free-flying the fuck out of a wingsuit. Yep. It's insane. Yeah, you pretty much can do anything that you do free-flying apart from head up yeah, well, for now. <laughs> but you can do a few things you can't do. You can go back up for fuck's sake. Exactly. exactly. So... <laughs> So it's been cool super cool. Okay, it's, yeah. uh, it's been super cool. Like we've been training lately a lot and it's, it's a lot of new things to do and a lot of new things to discover. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, we're really motivated with it. I've, uh, I've gotten uh, Nick and Matt in the booth a couple of times and, and uh, gotten them a little bit drunk to talk about some of the shit that they've been doing because uh, I've seen their stuff quite a lot and watching the just the growth and the insane um arc of the incredible shit that's happening is it's just wild to watch yeah, and it yeah. seems to be happening so fast yeah, yeah. right it's, I, I feel like it's like aviation like back in the days when once it you learn how to like yeah. make a lift on a wing it's yeah. like boom and I feel now it's a lot of a lot of uh, free flyers getting into it yeah. because before it was kind of a split a bit no like it was mm. the wing shooters and then the free flyers sure and now the free flyers are getting into wingsuit and then they can apply their free flying wings techniques into the wingsuit flying sure. so so I, I think it's pushing up a lot the level when i had the boys sure. from uh, uh from squirrel suits on um i was talking to them about uh, um wingsuiting and how it's gone through the roof and i equated it to wingsuits back in the day were what uh snowboarding was to skiers fuck you get off of my mountain mm -hmm. yeah. right and now i i don't think i rarely ever see or fly a fun jumper load that doesn't have a mm -hmm. wingsuit on yeah, yeah. you know and so it's this been this huge transition exactly. and the mm. sports really embraced it too because in the beginning wingsuits were not well liked in the sport not at all no you know but <laughs> no. now it's uh you guys kind of dominate the the um the public perception of skydiving is if they see anything on skydiving it's wingsuits yeah you yep. know which is fucking yeah, wild yeah, yeah sure. some, sometimes in california i see the plane more people wingsuiting than, than <laughs> right? free flyers so right like, hey, mm. i know going on? <laughs> and and that seems to be the direction that it's gone to because i think um it used to be wingsuiting was very much a solo skydiving sport or maybe two guys that fly together a little bit yeah uh, but they were you know all over the place but now it's these massive formations and intricate skydives that never used to be possible you yeah. know which is awesome. Now, how'd Red Bull get started? Because fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, that's um, so basically, we were competing. We were doing some competition. I, I started to travel, man. Like, uh, you know, when you close the door, a lot of windows open, you know, another sure. one open. And a lot of things happened, you know. So I was just traveling. I started to work in, uh, in Norway, you know, like went to Hawaii, went to so many different places. Sure. But uh, I have some meetings with them because... I was competing, no? I was doing tunnel competitions. And then that moment was a good right time, no? Like they needed someone in Spain to do demos, demo jumps, mm. dem do shows, you know, like with the time, like compete a bit in the tunnel. So I have a meeting with them. So basically they, they called me and I went to Madrid. They have a meeting with them. And they were like, all right, man, so just, you know, tell us what you do, you know? 
And it's like, well, so I explained them everything, you know, what I was doing, what I was motivated about, you know, where was my dreams, you know, my my goals, you know. And it was a funny moment, you know, like, so was your social media. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't, I don't have Instagram. I don't have anything, you know. So I was like, man, like, we have to change this a bit, you know. <laughs> so that was 2016, maybe the first meeting or 2015. And then... Basically, they kind of follow what you do, no? Like you, I was creating things, you know, went to Norway. I got lucky that I was in team one call. We do some projects, you sure. know, I've been doing some projects with Pete Alum. So I've been doing some different stuff and then they like what I was doing, no? So they like what I was doing. Um, they thought that I was the right person for the, for the demo jams that they needed for the show jams. So they basically trust me and then they give me this huge chance. So I, I'm really grateful for it. So, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it- it's an opportunity of a lifetime because oh, I guarantee sure. you all the newer jumpers that are listening, the one thing that anybody knows is Red Bull is like the mm-hmm. shit. Everybody yeah. everybody that's into any type of sports whatsoever, if you see Red Bull, you, all right, watch this video because it's got to be good if it's got Red Bull on it. Yeah. So to go from no social media whatsoever yeah. to a world <laughs> of nothing but social media, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, but the, the main thing is like they really help you. I'm really... I feel really lucky about it and really thankful because they really help you to 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 make your dreams come true pretty much. No? Sure. How it sounds, no? But like, if you have an idea, like sometimes it becomes impossible for you to do it, you know? So like if you explain it to them, like you show it to them, they give you that trust and they, they help you make it true, no? So, Which is fucking epic. So it's epic. It's amazing. No? How long did it take to soak in that you were working with Red Bull? It takes a while for sure. I bet. <laughs> sure, I, I bet. I while, mean... Uh, as a as a jump pilot that flies for a busier drop zone, it takes a while just knowing I've got the Red Bull team on my plane. I'm like, oh fuck, man! I feel like I'm part of something. But you guys are actually out there doing it, which is awesome. Yeah. And Sebastian, how did you get started with Red Bull? Everything started with Johnny again. Yeah, Johnny was a Red Bull athlete, and uh, he introduced me to Red Bull, and yeah, pretty much like that. That's like, he, he said, like this this kid is good, is talented. Let's keep an eye on him, this guy. And then, yeah, well, life is life. Uh, I was like, everything was going really good. Well, I did, I, I was, I still kind of live in California, but I, that's, I guess that's the place that I like the most. So, mm. so I go every time I can, I, I'm in California. So uh, competitions, there was the boom of Red Bull Aces and I did Red Bull Aces really good for the amount of jumps that I had by that time. So I was kind of the youngest one mm. going into the final or the first eight guys, you know. I was pretty proud and I guess like Red Bull also was looking for me. And then um, Johnny, Johnny died. Mm. Yeah. And uh, everything, I would say like for by, by that point, like uh, it was, of course, really sad news and and Red Bull didn't like it, of course. So everything sure. for me in my career is just, just that part of like Red Bull. This like, I don't know, we don't need anymore. And I was like, okay, no problem. Sure. And and I guess the, the one who opened the doors again was, was Danny. Because nice. maybe four or three years later, Danny was the first wingsuit pilot and skydiving athlete that goes back into Red Bull. And sure. he probably shows again that we can do cool stuff being safe. You know? Sure. Well, and I've heard really good things about Red Bull in that uh, um, they really don't want their athletes pushing safety for spectacle. They want you guys to be safe. They want these badass things, but they want to make sure that it's not too over the top because I've heard of a number of people that were doing incredible things being turned down by Red Bull because they were just too over the top. Definitely the ideas that we, like when we present them an idea, 
like you have to think that we explain an idea to someone that that is not really involved in the sport. Sure. You know, like they have an idea about it. Sure. But everything sounds a bit crazy. Sure. You know? So so definitely a lot of projects that we present, even if it looks really clear to us, like it might be it might look really dangerous for them, no? Sure. So definitely that's the main priority when they choose a project that is not dangerous or like we have you know, like it's not crazy sure uh, sure like it's definitely that they make sure that it's safe for us for sure, sure. it kind of surprises me to be honest to hear that uh, um johnny's passing back red bull off um because they have to know i mean i mean maybe maybe you don't know as much as people that are in the sport yeah. uh, that have lost people and know you know what the risks are but it, it does kind of surprise me a little bit that that backed them off i mean like I'm not sure if that was the real reason, but that's what I heard. And mm. yeah, unfortunately, he died. And we know that everything that flies can hit hard in the ground. So, sure. So, so I guess it was like, okay, maybe they have enough Red Bull athletes jumping, but then after a few years, they wanted to have more or sure. renew or. Well, you so you guys hit the level that you've hit. Um, I mean, there's there's not that many guys out there that are doing the things that you're doing obviously part of that is because uh you've got somebody like red bull behind you um but there's really not a lot of athletes that are going for the type of stuff that you're doing so do you find that uh, they're leaning on the athletes that they've got really wanting you guys to get out and do more but keep it safe or is it uh, you get to come to them with projects when they come to you i guess like being safe is the priority that's mm. for sure uh, again like if if I mean, like, you're a pilot, right? Yeah. You know that you can die. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's talk honestly, you know. It can happen, and you can and you can die with 20 guys in, in the back or whatever. Sure. So it can happen, you know. Same probably as a snowboarder. Sure. Right? So same as any athlete sport. We know that it can happen, you know. But, again, like, we try to, or at least me, and I know Danny, we try to do really cool stuff or uh, do really cool projects, but 100% sure that we, we can... We're gonna we're gonna be okay. Sure. Always, there's always a chance that something can fail, but because we're flying, we're not walking. I guess yeah. Let's start. Yeah. Okay. So, but as a team, we're trying to to train a lot of the safety part. You know, sure. I like think on everything that can happen. You know, like try to think like when we are base jumping. You know, together we try to think all the all the things that can happen, all the things that can run and be prepared for everything. Sure. So try, we're trying to do the best that we can for sure. sure. Well, I remember talking to uh, to Nick and Matt, and, and of course when wingsuiting and base jumping met, uh, they very quickly went to the terrain flying. Yeah. Um, and watching friends of mine flying terrain, you'd see these amazing videos, and the fucking dad part of me would kick in, and I'd just be, exactly. I'd want to be amazed by what I was seeing, but I was terrified of what i was seeing because that's somebody i care about yep. you know uh so as wingsuiting started to transition to less about terrain and more about doing the stuff kind of near the terrain but not fucking kicking up dust yeah. i started to breathe a little bit easier yeah. uh, it just made it a little bit you know uh easier for me to watch and really really appreciate what was going on so the more it got into the free-flying aspect of it and all that shit the happier i was because yeah. it meant you were further away from the fucking rocks yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know which I love seeing, but it also showed the insane skill level that has, has gone into it all, which yeah, is, yeah. it's such an incredible transition. Yeah. So now you guys do a team on your own. Yeah. yeah. What's that all about? So around, I don't know, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. A year and a half ago, we, I mean, we met a while ago. And then we both, 
Red Bull athletes, you know, so like when you are by yourself, like training by yourself, it's kind of a limited things that you can do, sure. you know? So have a teammate that have the same hunger, you know, the same goals, you know, like train together is something that is going to push, push both of us. So, mm. so a year and a half ago, we started talking about it and uh, we did our first training trip in Brazil. It was a big success. Like we were really happy about it. Nice. And since then we tried to meet like one more on, one more off, and then train as much as we can and create things together. Nice. Now, so uh, walk me through what a modern wingsuit competition is nowadays, because uh, I know that uh, it's it's morphed into so many different things. It used to be the Red Bull Air Races and all that stuff, but now yeah. it's yeah. choreographed intense routines. Like what what goes on in a competition? How are you being judged? So they have these two type of competitions, the performance competition that is like big shoots and then basically it's kind of like shooting. Hmm. So it's like distance, speed and time. Okay. And uh, then it's the acrobatic competition hmm. that is basically grips, grips and a compulsory round. Grips and wingsuits. Yes, grips and compulsory <laughs> round. They love it. So we're not really into it. Like we're not really into it. We kind of prefer to create more like a free routine okay. and then more play with the free fly aspect of the flying and uh that doesn't involve competition maybe in the future but at the moment doesn't involve i'm gonna be honest i'm not really into anything that can fly straight and alone <laughs> so yeah. to be honest <laughs> like a performance competition I'm, I'm i might try it maybe when i get older and i have nothing else to do i did a comp i did a comp i mean i was like Man, you know, like also the feeling of the competition. You go there, a man was like, it's a computer game, pretty much. So right. you go there and it was, a, man, I got there. I have no idea how was the competition. You know, I just go there. All right, speed, like not ready at all. Speed, all right, just go fast. You know, time, all right, just fly flat, you know, and slow. And then everyone, you know, like computers, you know, like the computer game, you know, like <laughs> seeing the statistics, see the graphics and have men like, have no idea what they're doing, you know. Sure. Like, I'm not I, into it for sure. And then it's that that is just flying straight and alone, you know. So it's a bit boring. Yeah, boring, yeah. I, yeah. And, and and also like honestly, I think it kills the sport. Mm. I mean, like, let's go again because I have a background of aviation. But when they were breaking records of who can go faster, it was like in the okay from the 40s until the 60s when they break the Mac, right? Mac one or two, and then that's it. Yeah. Now nobody's like racing a straight line and I have the fastest pilot because I have the fastest plane. Right. Like everybody can fly straight and forward. Sure. You know, I, what we want to do or how I think or how I see the sport is dynamic as sure. much as I can do, move around, show how much technique I have and do layouts. I don't know, whatever you Create want to Create new do. things. Huh? Create, but staying straight in a line, solo. Hmm. I'm... <laughs> Well, the, <laughs> what I'm gonna do? The things that I see in wingsuits um, are getting closer and closer to the dynamic flying that I see in the tunnel. Yeah, uh, definitely. And there's a big link to that, right? Because I mean, the free flying and the the wingsuit flying are one and the same anymore. I mean, you're free flying; you're just wearing a wingsuit. Yeah. Um, and I would think that the sport would generally or would naturally go towards an artistic round. Um, although obviously that kind of thing is subjective. I know that a lot of the athletes don't like. Um, the competitions that are judged on a subjective thing. Oh, that was pretty. That wasn't pretty. Yeah. Cause it, it, then it's just a, a crapshoot as to the judges you get, not your skill. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where I see it going, but I mean, it's got to be a whole lot of fun getting there. Yeah. 
Now, in regards to back to the air, uh, the Red Bull stuff, the stunts, the kind of stuff that you pitch, like what are we talking about? What are some of the stunts that you've pitched that, hey, we want to try this, we want to do that? Well, it's, it's a good example. Seba just have one of the, man, like the craziest things i ever seen. No, like he just flew in and out of a volcano. <laughs> it was a, <laughs> of an active volcano. So, and I was lucky that I got to film it. And I was, that was really fucking impressive. How the was, fuck do you pitch that? Yeah. <laughs> I really, I, it all started because of the flare. Yeah, because because uh, of the power that we get nowadays with the windshield, so we can go up. Actually, we can really go up. And then somehow I was looking for a place to do a flare, you know. And and I end up watching. Well, I've been it's in a volcano in Chile, so I've been there since I was a kid in mm. holidays. It's a beautiful place. It's really nice. And uh, and I end up looking this volcano, and then I take the measures and from Google. It's like hey, how. Dia- the diameter of the crater and it was like it's 200 meters so it's like 600 uh, feet mm, diameter yeah. so it's like uh, and then the altitude and then the altitude was like uh, at 10,000 feet so I, I was like oh maybe the flare is not that powerful because of the density of air mm. but then I was like uh, maybe I can just give it a try you know and see how low i can go and how effective is the windshield using the most powerful windshield by by that time which which is the one that i really love which is the series because it's really fast and really agile it's like a fighter jet mm, pretty much sure and and with danny danny like gives me the because by myself i know that i i wouldn't be able to do it or would, would have taken me way longer but danny gave me like we came together to do the scouting so this started a year before and or eight months before so he told me like yeah it could be it could not let's give it a try and then he he see things that i i was not what seeing or two two head things better than one you know sure for eyes so we finally figure it out and we start doing getting in and out and it's an active volcano so it's make it even beautiful <laughs> or crazy crazy and then and then, yeah, one day the volcano was smoking as hell, so we need to abort or going this way, this the other way. And then the other day was, like, with tons of wind. So, again, like, going back to the background of aviation is, like, plan B, C, D, sure. and until C, you know? So, you... <laughs> like, we figured out we figured out everything, even, like, how much wind we needed to have a front wind, headwind, in order to make it to the landing area. So we put the limit, it was 20 knots. Wow. Which is not much at 10,000 feet. Sure. Uh, wow. So, so did you did you go up and like practice flares at 10 grand to see what kind of a flare you were going to get out of it first? Exactly. And... I, I did that by myself. Like, sure. I, I grabbed the suit, the GPS, and boom, boom, boom. So I, it was pretty boring because sure. I was by myself and then landing, checking the computer, you know. But okay, I proved to myself that I can go up and, and do this in or up and down or whatever. <laughs> And then it's like, okay, it works at 10,000 feet. The suit is okay. I can reach enough speed. And then I was like, okay, let's go to the volcano. And by that time, Red Bull was like, Red Bull was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, give, give, give me a mouth. Wait a second, because I really need to prove to myself. One thing is like, I can, the GPS says, and it shows on the, on the curve that I can go down and up. Right. And in, in this diameter of the crater, but that's just numbers, you know? Sure. But then the other thing is what my head is yeah. thinking, you know, and my body can do. Yeah. Having a, a wall in front. So uh, we went with Danny, Chile. 
we did the scouting in summer and it was doable. Whew. So after that, I said like, okay, let's let's go for it. And then Red Bull like it, or I, even like me, I like it during the winter because it's the snow. Sure. So the volcano looks more pretty. Sure. Or less scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty scary. It was a scary yeah. one. Oh, it had to be. Are you kidding me? Like, this is the shit that if you're not in the sport, actually, even if you are in the sport, if you say, yeah, somebody flew into and out of a fucking volcano, really, yeah. pff, I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, it was. I remember the first time. Like, it was like when we jumped there for the first time, and you could taste the sulfur. Yeah. You know, you can smell mm. it. You could taste it. You feel the heat of the volcano. Yeah. I, I guess later we, it was we a crazy feeling. Huh? Th- then later we get used to because we were not talking about that. But but at the beginning we were like, did you feel it? Did you taste it? You know, even my suit smells like volcano. You know, like that it was, was crazy. It was insane. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then really like <laughs> filming and I see it like. Coming, I remember one shot, you know, like seeing the shadow on the wall, and you know, and then going up with the wall. Well, I mean, that was the insaneest thing that I ever seen. It was really cool. Huh? Oh, it so had nice. to be. It had to be. Yeah. Well, and I, I love the fact that you said you had the numbers, and the numbers said you could do it. Yeah. But that the numbers don't take into account the human factor. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that's that's the thing, right? I mean, you, yeah. the, all the numbers in the world can say you're going to do it, but if your brain's not willing, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah, we do really care of. Um, because it was different. The numbers were one thing, but then when you are in the volcano, it was really bumpier. Yeah, yeah was I really, bet. really, really, really bumpier. At one point, I thought that this air coming from the crater, which is really warm, sure, hot, let's say hot, it was going to help me because it was going to give me lift. But then, then, I, then as soon as I start getting closer and I start feeling the burble, because it's like the burble, it's like yeah. third year, I was like, how stupid I was to think that this is going to help me to go up. <laughs> it's fucking, it's, it's helping me to go down, yeah. man, to don't get good air, clean air, and try to flare. So I was like, yeah. there, there was a few jumps that I get into this, and, and you can feel like, in, even in the camera, and the suit moves exactly as oh, I yeah. and I was like, Pretty much like pull, Pick me pull, up. pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up, and I was like, oh. See, that's what it, it's kind of funny because that's what people don't think about. You always hear, uh, "Yeah, I was scared, but then I got in the zone and I was just focused." But it's really fucking cool to hear you say, "No, I was there mm. and I was thinking, fuck." Mm. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, because I don't know if it's people don't want to admit it or maybe they're just not admitting it to themselves, but especially in a wingsuit because you've got more time, right? It's you're not, you know, falling straight down. You're moving, you're flying. Um, So you've got a lot more time to think, oh, shit. (laughs) Danny also went in with me. I mean, like he went in in and out with me at one point because we were trying to figure out like what what was the best shot to show to like in this case Red Bull to see like where Danny needs to be when officially we do this. So there, there's some few jumps that, that really intense, like huh? we do the flare full focus, you know, from the exit until the until after the flare full focus, and then right after the flare, like when once we get in and out, I remember that we look each other like in the air, like while we were flaring, <laughs> I was like that face of like skating, how was yeah. close, you know, that yeah. was like yeah. insane. I was like, all oh, right, yeah. let's keep going and playing, playing, playing. I mean, the feeling right after, you know. Yes, you yeah. make it happen when like he's been working on it for a long time you know when you make 
something happened and sure. you've been working so long for sure. it like it's like satisfaction you know it's amazing you know? now especially for you because you're shooting the video which means your focus 100 is on him yeah. which means you got to trust that he's got a line that's going to keep not just him but you safe yeah. that's got to be pretty fucking in- you're flying towards a volcano and you don't even get to look at the volcano but what is that is what the theme is about eh? <laughs> yeah for, trust, huh? for sure holy shit for man because sure. you got to have all the same thoughts that he's got at the same time but yeah. yeah i mean yes he's going a little bit deeper so you can get the shot but yeah. you're following his yeah. line yeah that's pretty intense man yeah that's it some, was intense for sure that's that's a that's, that's a one fucking... of the most intense things that i ever if that was cool. not one of the most intense things you've ever done then fuck you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> seriously sure. if that was just a tuesday for you guys <laughs> fuck off uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the interview's like, over it was it was, it was, it was amazing the, the scouting yeah. was pretty intense man because we were like Figuring out everything. Yeah. Everything. From zero. It's like, all right, let's check it out. Where though. to land the winds, the smoke, where how where we should do the 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 approach, which line we should choose. Sure. So I needed to find reference far away. So I end up finding like I know I still remember a, a little island that has a lake back really far away. And then a little city. So yeah. so that matching with the, the approach it was it was good. And then the winds and then the Wow, the the smoke, but yeah, Danny helps me a lot. So I mean, that's it's super fucking intense. Yeah. Now, d- does Red Bull approach you guys with uh, ideas, or is it all you guys coming up with? Hey, we want to so try this, or we got some ideas from them. No, like normally we get shows, and definitely they approach us with a lot of ideas, and we aport also a lot of ideas. Sure. No? So it's a mix between both of us. Sure, for sure. Huh? They've got a number of, of uh, teams doing some badass stuff. And, of course, um, um, Fred and Vince and yeah. all the stuff yeah. that they've done all over the years and, and the amazing stuff that they've done. Are, are there themes that you follow? Hey, we're, we did the volcano. Now we're going to do something completely opposite. Or, I mean, is it do you or do you just wait for ideas to come to you? Or are you actively thinking, all right, what's next? Man, I think it's not a problem for ideas. We have a lot <laughs> yeah. of ideas, you know, like no, I think way too many, you know, they're like, so, break a little bit guys. Cause we're like, we don't want to break. Man. Sometimes right. it's funny because we are like, man, like we have this, 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 and this. I like, well, like, like let's not present this and this and this yet because we already offered these five, you know, so right. let's not collapse it. You yeah, know, yeah. Because sure. we, it's a lot of things that we want to do for sure. Right? Is that, it's gotta be kind of one of those things too, that when you get into the zone, um, you kind of want to stay there. Right. Yeah. I mean, all right, we're there. We're, we're yeah. feeling fantastic. This went off really well. We want to move to the next one. Do you find that Red Bull is super accepting of like, yes, let's, let's go. Or are they always looking for stuff? I'm a, I'd imagine. Definitely. Like if it's something that they like or like, uh, Things that we present and I get approved, they they like it, they go for it, for sure. Awesome. It's one after the other one, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, so now, super nice. if you guys aren't doing the Red Bull stuff and you're not training as a team, what are you guys doing on your own as a sport? How are you going day-to-day, paying the bills? So normally, like for me, I work in Sweden one week a month. <laughs> so I work in a tunnel camp. I do tunnel camps, windshield tunnel camps. Nice. So that's fixed one week a month. And then I also have time for personal things, you know, like my girlfriend lives in Norway. So ah. I try to go every month to spend some time with her. Sure. And uh, apart from that, is training, jumping and traveling, boogies or events. Is she a jumper? 
No, she's not a jumper. Tandem. Tandem power. Really? <laughs> yes, tandem. Nice, tandem nice, in Norway. Nice. Yes. <laughs> How is that, especially with as high-end stuff as you're doing, having a girlfriend that's not in the sport? So when I met her, she knew me already like this, you know? So yeah. she accepted. She fully accepted, you know? But I think it's nice that she's not into the sport is because when I – when I go holidays or when I go to Norway, I'm fully out of of jumping out of that wall. Sure. You know, I'm on like hers. different wall, like a mountain, go to the beach, do different, completely different stuff. Nice. And then I feel that that gives me that gives me power and motivation. So when I come back, I'm I'm my batteries are fully charged. Nice. So I think that's really good. Huh? Nice. I think it's good to have something apart from skydiving for sure. Huh? My uh, my wife has nothing to do with the sport. She's done one jump, and I think she's listened to half of one podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. She hears me talk all the time. Half of the people listening to this podcast want me to shut up because they only want to hear from you guys. So <laughs> so I feel the same way. She's she feels exactly the same way. Yeah. How about you? If you uh um, what do you do when you're not jumping? First off, uh, or what do you do for work when you're not doing the Red Bull stuff? And yeah. if you got a significant other, I guess like my. What I do right away when I'm not training or skydiving is surfing. I go oh. I go back to my roots. Uh, nice. Surfing gives me a lot of happiness and also like mental and body health. Nice. And then the next thing is like I'm always coaching or doing little camps or big camps and nice. and taking people tandems or even though F AFF sometimes I try to keep like everything going like current nice. on every discipline. And yeah, that's what I do. I remember even as a uh, even as a long time skydiver, um, when I started flying at high end drop zones uh, and meeting the guys that were making the videos and doing all this intense shit, and then all of a sudden they're on my manifest chucking drugs, <laughs> and it was always the strangest thing to go. Well, wait a second, but I watch you're that guy and you're holy shit. And, but then it dawns on me, Oh wait, you got to pay the bills too. And doing this stuff doesn't necessarily pay the bills. That's the thing too, right? Is we've chosen a sport and a profession that we're never going to get rich doing this. No. Yeah. No, no, But it's not about that, right? It's all about the passion. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about the passion. You know, like if you're here for making money, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> wrong for sure. fucking sport. <laughs> wrong right? fucking sport. I know it. I've talked to so many, especially competitive canopy pilots that uh, I just had Nick Bash on. And uh, he's like, yeah, you better be doing this for the right reasons because yeah. you'll stand on the podium with the gold and it's yeah, not, yeah. doesn't get the bills paid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now for, for sure. surfing, what's uh, what's your niche in surfing? What uh, What's your thing? Big waves or? I I was born by the beach, really lucky, um, and I did enjoy a lot of big waves, but that took me a really a while, mm. maybe 10 years to get into big waves, um, and then I still enjoy more like medium to small waves, so I mm. can practice more maneuvers. Nice. I feel like there, there's, I have like this compression, um, uh, maneuvers and small waves and everything is like free flying. Sure. You know? And then uh, big waves and all that thing that scares you is like base jumping. Yeah, that's right. a good comparison. Right. That's a really good comparison. Because I, I have felt that fear on big waves <laughs> and I have felt that fear base jumping, you yeah. know, where, where you stand up on the mountains like, okay, full on. Yeah, I've felt that fear home. on little waves. 
Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a professional observer. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'll surf little waves badly, but I love watching big wave surfers. Yeah. Uh, I skydive actively, but I love watching base jumpers. I've never base jumped, never will. I'm happy to watch you guys do it. Speaking yeah. of, how'd you guys get into base jumping? Because that's that's a whole nother fucking sport. I mean, it uses a parachute, but it's a whole nother sport. Yeah. Yeah. I started in 2011. I started in 2011, and uh, I was really attracted to sky to base jumping before I started skydiving. Mm. Watching all the videos, like all the Jockey Summers videos and all these videos, you know. But right. then when I started skydiving, I kind of slowed it down a bit, and. Uh, I was really motivated with skydiving, you know, mm. and then when it was the right time, I think it was like a thousand jumps, something like that. Then I, then I did the the base course in uh, in France, and then from there I started. No, so cool. Yeah. Well, and you did a course, which is seems to be the modern way to do it, which is an amazing thing. I love yeah. the fact that there's hardcore intense base courses now because yeah. back in my day, you were jumping a fucking sport rig pack slider down. I'm crazy to think about it now. Oh, man. My first year in the sport, uh, uh, one of my instructors hired me to go along with him to film Bridge Day back in 1996. And Mm. half of the people jumping were jumping sport rigs, pack slider down. Oh, fuck. I mean, it was that was actually when I decided I was never going to base jump because I watched so many people hit trees and slam into the water and hit bridges and shit. No, I'm I'm good. (laughs) How about you? How'd you start in base jumping? I started in California, well, no, in Idaho, actually, but because of the California crew, like, yeah, I was in Lodi by that time when everybody was coming from Yosemite <laughs> to train in Lodi to go back to Yosemite yeah. and, you know. And so repeat. Dean Potter in the crew. So I met Dean Potter there, Graham Hunt, and yeah, lots of guys that now, unfortunately, are not with us, but, yeah. but they were doing this. And I was like, always wondering, like, they come here, they jump. Two, three days, they make a lot of jump and then they go to the mountains. And of course, then later I watch the videos and that I would guess like motivates me for sure was wingsuiting. I wanted to go for wingsuiting, but then exactly what happened to Danny. Um, I was like, like looking uh, to get into base jumping as soon as possible. But once I tried, uh, tried skydiving, I was like, okay, I like this too. Sure. So I'm going to stay here for a while and I'm going to wait for have more experience. And then I did a course and in Idaho and then uh, I repeat Idaho for two more times mm. and then I went to the mountains and my same uh, instructor did me the mountain course and it was step by step even though like I uh, I love it but I, I had a, a big respect yeah for, for that and and I guess like again like just just like some Nowadays, I feel like the the kids or people who are coming uh, into that sport to base jumping are taking it more serious because there are really good uh, instructors uh, all ar- all around the world. Sure, but maybe sometimes back in the days were like just about rush. <laughs> yeah, and then you see accidents and sure, and then you you figure out like how serious is this? You know? Sure, cause I have my theory too. It's like. Maybe big waves can give you another opportunity, you know, you know, you, you can, you can uh, wipe out on a really big wave and you have a lot of things that make you survive, you know, like, uh, I don't know, more air or sure. whatever, you know, they're going to rescue. And then in the snow, for example, when you snowboard, you do a big air and you're going to hurt yourself, probably you're going to break an arm or a shoulder or whatever. But then in base jumping, there's no, there's no check- second chance. You no. Know? You, once you hit, you hit, and it's probably the the last mistake you make. You yeah. Know? So 
So I feel like that's the the borderline or the red line that you don't want to cross. Like you don't want to make or be pushing for that big mistake because it once it happens, it's the end. So that's why I learned yeah. after watching and watching and watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, skydiving to some degree too, but oh, exactly. specifically yeah. base jumping, you want to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you you see it with people in cannabis too, like. I'm not saying that we. I'm, I I can get hurt. Sure, and, and dude. Be talking honestly, I can. All die. of us. Sure, I can of die. course, of you course, know? absolutely. Because we we always trying to push it, but I'm trying to avoid all those like. Well, there's not too many. I mean, the the one that jumps to mind is Jeb Corliss skipping off the uh, the ledge. Not too many people get that fucking lucky, mm. right? And I mean, skill, luck, whatever. I call it fucking luck. He hit that fucking ledge and survived it. Holy shit! Yeah. But that's one. That's a one in a million, exactly. right? I Super mean, that's lucky. that's you don't get second chances like that before. Mm. You know, it's funny you were talking about uh, Lodi and the crew um, and being big in base jumping as well. Myself and and uh, instructors at Skydance in Davis. I was uh-huh. chucking drogues and doing AFF yeah. out there, and we had a bunch of guys that uh, were known as the Stone Monkeys uh-huh. uh, in Yosemite. Ammon McNeely. Um, uh, uh, Nicola Martinez. Yeah, I know. Uh, Nicola, yeah, yeah, fucking one of my closest yeah. friends. He's an amazing Super guy. Cool and guy. Nick, if you're listening, hello. Yeah. Uh, hello, he, he hooked me up with Jeff Weatherall on the uh, podcast as well. But uh, they came out uh, to learn to skydive. So I was Nick's uh, AFF instructor uh, for the first jump. And they came out literally saying, we only want to learn how to do this so we can jump off the shit we're climbing. Exactly. And hats off to them. That's exactly what they all did. Ivo Ninov, Ammon McNeely, all of those guys went out and became badass base yeah. jumpers, um, you know, and did exactly what they said yeah. they were going to do, but they tried to be really safe about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's where I started to see that corner turn, that it just was a bunch of guys grabbing rigs and, fuck it, I think this will work, to I need to think about this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and especially with guys like Dean Potter. Exactly. And, and they, they, they also have like a plus, like Dean, Ivo, Ivonino, like yeah. Nicola. They have a plus because they were mountaineers. Yes. Like they are climbers from before they jump in. So they know everything about the mountain. Yeah. Instead of uh, just a normal guy that wants to base jump, that's when like alarms to me like pop up. Like what you want to do? You don't know about climbing, hiking, ropes or whatever. It's yeah. Like, oh, I just uh, I, I just talked to to Nick not that long ago, and he, I told him we were going to be coming to the states next year. And he keeps trying to talk me into going to the valley and climbing up El Cap with him. And I'm like, you're out of your <laughs> fucking mind. <laughs> There's no way. Oh no, it's easy. It'd be three days, no problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're out of your mind. No way. No way. Uh, the the intensity of something like big wave surfing or uh, high yeah. climbing with that kind of exposure that's beyond my reach. Yeah. So what comes next for you guys? Uh, what's uh, um, what's the is is there a plan for the future or is it just uh, we're doing what we're doing now? Man, it's not really a fixed plan, but it's a lot of ideas. So it's not a fixed plan. What we're doing, we know that we stay here this week. Nice. Then I leave for a while, and then we meet again around end of January. Yeah. And then should. end of January and February, so we're gonna be training again. But it's a lot of ideas. Nice. So we still have to make the calendar of when it's happening. But sure. it's a lot of ideas sure. for sure. Now, uh, um, before uh, I forget, let me ask, how do they follow both you guys on social media? Because now <laughs> you got to be a social media yeah. whore. <laughs> <laughs> we are for sure. Yeah. So as a team, as individuals, how do people find you and follow you? Yeah. So in Instagram, is Danny Roman. 
Yeah. Yeah, mine is Sebastian Alvarez and as a team we're named uh, Dimension Flyers. Dimension Flyers. Dimension. All right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So anything we should be looking for any uh, um big plans, any Red Bull stuff that hasn't been aired yet that we should be uh watching out for and how do they find out how to see you fucking fly through a volcano? Yeah, well, I guess the, the, like the volcano, you can find it in YouTube, uh, in the Red Bull account, or even in my Instagram, even in Danny's Instagram, you know, the, the point of view of the camera and everything. And, dude, we have so many things for the future. Like, we really, like, we would love to have somebody to organize our mind a little bit and stop us for a while and say, like, okay, this, this, this. But I guess we're doing it good and we're just training for next really cool projects that maybe, like... It's hard to surprise the world, you know? Sure. But at least we want to, like, make it happen in order to for us to feel better and push the sport forward, sure. you know? Sure. Actually, that's a good question. Do you find now the world is so inundated, especially yeah. when it comes to social media, with 60-second videos of all this different insanity going on, do you find that it's difficult to stand out? Um... I mean, I don't really mind to stand out on social media, no? I don't really mind how many Red views. Bull does. <laughs> yeah, but we, we try to do whatever we like to do. Sure. Like, we don't really care how many likes it has, or we just want to do what is our dream to do, no? Yeah, nice. So, so we're just doing it, and then we share it with the world. If they like it, it's good. If not, it's, we, we're happy that we did it. Nice. Yeah, that we exactly. got the chance to do it, no? So It's dramatically more important than how many likes you get. That's for, for sure, sure. Uh, because some people worry about it. So it's like, man, we, we got to do this. doesn't matter if the volcano video, it didn't got enough whatever, you know, but right. but we happy that we did it, man. Like, it's nice, you know, it's awesome. Well, so, I'm sure you guys have discovered by now that if you're doing something that you're passionate about, people will come to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there's people that are passionate about stacking dominoes and there's a fan base for those people that stack yeah. dominoes if they're passionate yeah. about it, yeah. you know. No, that, yeah. exactly. That's it, it is. I mean, like, we want to show how passionate we are for the sport and how uh, much we can push forward, you know. that's sure. I guess that's our mission or my mission or, yeah. like, have fun, enjoy it, be the best you, that you can be and, and push it. Push a lot it different from an Air Force pilot, huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it though. I mean, yeah. I'd say half of the people that I've had on the podcast had drastically different plans for their lives until skydiving in something like this took hold and it went a completely different, much more enjoyable direction. Yeah. 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 Where's a 50 year old Danny? Man, hopefully, hopefully he's still doing what he loves to do, you know, whatever it be, you know, like. There's not an age limit on this sport though, right? I mean, we know some old fucking skydivers that are still badass. Man, yeah. I, yeah. I, man I'm yeah. based in Empuria, Bravo. Yeah. So I'm kind of spending a lot of time there. And man, I jump a lot with Pitalum. Mm. And man, he's, he's around there, no? Yeah. And he keeps the motivation up. We love to jump together. We create a lot of things together. And uh, hopefully that's the future, no? For nice. sure. Nice. Like now we get to jump with Omar. Man, we go uh, yeah, to jam yeah, with Omar's yeah, these Omar. days. Super it's nice, huh? Fucking crazy. What right? a legend, yeah. bro. Uh, a legend still ridiculously relevant in the sport and the nicest fucking guy. Right? Yeah, man. I asked him on his birthday um, how the hell he did it because he's so upbeat and he's so happy and it's genuine. Yep. You can tell it's fucking genuine. Yep. And I don't know how 30 years in the sport later, this guy is still so fired up. I did it wrong. I went straight into tandems and shooting video and I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and forgot what fun jumping was. He kept that passion the whole time and I'm so jealous. And jealous of you guys as well because you 
quit the career, you know, and, and walked away from all that stuff to follow that passion and just kept going with it. And I had to rediscover what being a fun jumper was like 22 years after I started jumping. So I'm jealous that you guys are, are doing it, but I'm also super encouraging that you're just going full bore with it, which is yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Gentlemen, cheers. Cheers, man. Cheers. I cannot thank you enough for coming and sitting, talking shit. Good stuff. Cheers. <laughs> All right, one more time. Social media, Danny Roman. Danny Roman. All right. And, and, uh, Sebastian Alvarez, and we are together. Um, Dimension, Dimension Flyers. Flyers. Dimension Flyers. Awesome. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm going to catch up with you after the next fucking volcano type thing you do. <laughs> yes, thank you for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Buddy. Cheers, man. And there you go. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can brought to you as always by, that's right, NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems. Head to summitparachutesystems.com. You can check out the badass pilot rigs that Jarrett Martin and the family are cranking out over there, as well as the incredible rigging courses that Jarrett gives. As for me, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com where you can find links to all the previous podcasts and both the books. We'll see you next time. Yeah.